As I was closing up for the night, I thought about all the movies that had been discussed in the spoiler room. That was when the temperature in the room changed. I went to the thermostat and it said it was 52 degrees KB. Suddenly I found myself in a maze of movie posters. No matter what direction I went, each path led me back to one actor, Kevin Bacon. That was when it was clear what I had to do. When I snapped out of it, I added bacon to the menu. 2020 was going to be an interesting year in the spoiler room. And welcome, my friends, to the spoiler room. Thank you for venturing down the stairs and pulling up a chair next to us so we can talk films together, talk movie spoilers and all kinds of things involving cinema. Hope you enjoyed our episode 300. That was a lot of fun. And uh, tonight... Uh, well, I'm glad we had a lot of fun on episode 300 because this one, uh, is going to be an interesting discussion, folks. Yes, we've come back full circle back around to another Kevin Bacon film, and we are looking at the 2004 indie film called The Woodsman. And I have a wonderful crew here tonight to talk about uh, this film starring Mr. Kevin Bacon. First off, he's back with us in the spoiler room, taking a break from uh, getting together his Gonzerific Film Festival. It is none other than the lovely Andrew Shearer. Hello, sir. How are you? Hey, man, it's lovely to be lovely. Lovely to be on this panel this evening. Hope everyone's cool, staying, uh, you know, wearing your mask, washing your paws, not touching your eyeballs and your nose and your face and other people's eyeballs and whatnot <laughs> yeah they don't like that too much so, no i don't know no especially in the starbucks line but hey it gets you up front <laughs> so no just kidding <laughs> excellent <laughs> hey i want my i want my vente coffee Boink! ow there you go i'm next <laughs> See, that's how yeah, you do they, that. They, then they spit in it, be like, enjoy. <laughs> it's okay. It's protein, right? No. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of protein, sorry. Oh. <laughs> this isn't foam. <laughs> <laughs> and also in the room, taking this uh, 52 degrees journey with me, he is back as well. It is none other than Mr. Ian Simmons. Hello, Ian. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, I can't wait to talk to you guys about this movie. I, talk about ending up on a list. I think this might be it. <laughs> just, just don't do a lot of research on it. Just search for the film itself and go okay, and then keep scrolling. Um, <laughs> Although, if you're gonna type, do a search on the Woodsman, I would do that in IMDb and not just Google. <laughs> that could be that could be a problem. That could be a, it's it's not as bad as if you search for Snow White. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> wow. Ah. So, yes, folks, The Woodsman, a drama. And let's see who. <laughs> Andrew, did, did you want to try to give the synopsis tonight for The Woodsman? Yeah, man. I'll go ahead. I'll do it. Go for Anybody it, else man. wants to? I'll go for it, man. All right. Well, The Woodsman 2004 movie starring Kevin Bacon. He plays... This man who has uh, spent 12 years in jail from being a sex offender. And then uh, he tries to get his life started over again and runs into a lot of problems. And uh, that's the woodsman. Yeah, that's that's a good uh, that's a good summary of it. I mean, it is it is an indie film uh, executive produced by Mr. Bacon, I think, based off of a play. Um, 
And yeah, I didn't realize it was based off of a play watching. I mean, I've heard this was one of those films for me where it was on the list. You know, it would show up and I'd go, eh, no, that's okay. You know, <laughs> it, but it was a bacon film I wanted to see. I, I was curious of the how they would approach the material. So that's why I was glad I was able to work it in our 52 degrees here. Um, and so, yeah, it's uh, uh, we'll first start off with Ian. Ian, uh, when was the first time you watched The Woodsman? And, and, and what are your initial thoughts on this <clears throat> film? Uh, first time I watched The Woodsman was uh, this morning. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was the first time for me. And it's one of three movies I watched today. Ooh. Jesus. Um, but definitely the most interesting. Um, I really liked this movie. Uh, it's kind of crazy. When you've got Michael Shannon showing up as a shrink, you know you're in for something really special. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, it's uh, it, it didn't go the places where I, that I fully expected it to go. Um, I think once again, as we've done, whenever we've talked about Kevin Bacon the movies that Kevin Bacon has been in that we've discussed, he always does a fantastic job. And I thought it was really interesting that he and his actual wife, Kira Sedgwick, Sedgwick play love interests uh, in this very unconventional <laughs> sort of romance. <laughs> uh, I just, I could watch a documentary about what it was like for them to make a movie in which Kevin Bacon plays uh, someone who has in the past preyed on, you know, underage girls. Uh, that I don't know what those conversations were like, but I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well they had at this point, cause 2004, they had been together like, uh, like 10, 15 years or something like, cause they met mm. on like in 80, what is it? 87 or something. I think they met on, 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 um, I forgot which film it was yellow something. I forgot. I forgot what it was, but, uh, yeah, they known each other for a long time by this point. So, Andrew, what, what what did you see? Think of the Woodsman, and was this your first time viewing it? Uh, no, I had seen it when it came out. Um, mm -hmm. It's, you know, it was it was kind of a. I'm like, man, do I want to see Kevin Bacon play in like another, like like sex offender? Because I just, I don't even remember what movie it was, but I feel like he did a movie like not too much before this where he Sleepers. Was, yeah. See, and I don't even remember him being in Sleepers. Was he? What was he in Sleepers? Like he was. He he was the main. Um, because that was a movie about uh, boys in like a reform school or something back in the sixties, I think. And yeah, I know I liked there was a, it, but man, I don't remember nothing. Yeah, he was he was like the head guard who led a group of other guards in like sexually molesting. In that case, it was teenage boys. Um, side note about Sleepers: it's based on a great novel by I think it was Lorenzo Carcaterra. That's one of those rare cases where if you read the book, you don't need to see the movie because it is an utterly faithful adaptation, almost to a fault. <laughs> yeah, so I, I just didn't want to I don't know it's like you know you see a guy in a, a role like that more than once you're like I'm just he's just that's who he's going to be every time I look at him in a movie you know it's yeah. like like everybody that's in happiness <laughs> from then on <laughs> that's just who they are forever <laughs> yeah especially when you see Dylan Baker you're like sorry man you're a you know, <laughs> um, but, no, but then he's I, a I, high school science teacher. Sorry. Right? It doesn't matter. He, he's going to do something. Look at that face, you know. So, but I, I do, I do like Kevin Bacon. Um, and I, yeah, it was an interesting to me. Like I was, I think there was some controversy around that time. Cause mm -hmm. it like just that subject. Nobody wants to, 
it's not a movie people want to see or like have in a theater or you know what i mean it just so that that made me curious about it so yeah i checked it out then i haven't i haven't rewatched it since i've been a parent though kind of afraid to <laughs> yeah there's a whole nother level there watching it as a parent i i will say it was bad because i'm sitting here going the subject matter is is it's difficult. It should be difficult. It's dark. It's it's something that, yeah, nobody really wants to talk about. Uh, but I was digging the film, one, for Kevin Bacon's performance, and two, the way they handled the material. Because, um, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong with the way they approach this, but with this film, let's face it, it, it's such an uncomfortable subject that especially when your main character, who is a name, Kevin Bacon is a name, you know, 2004 at this time, he's a name. The character, usually there's some kind of twist or some kind of angle to where, well, no, that's not how it really went down. No, you know, he's actually the good guy wrongly convicted mm. or, you know, something, you, you know, he he fell on his sword for someone else or something. You know what I'm talking about? Though. I mean, w- with a character like this, usually, not all the time, but usually you get that. But here, instead, we're taking an exploration into a individual who has had issues which we learn have been around for a very long time um you know and i thought it was handled it was handled very maturely uh directed by a female director nicole castle who would go on (laughs) this may not have been great for her career <laughs> because she went on to mostly did uh, TV, though she did do some episodes of the following. So she came back and directed Kevin Bacon later, um, which I love the following. Um, but she's mostly done TV, uh, including The Watchmen recently she directed. So oh. she's she's still been act, uh, directing, but mostly TV stuff. And I'm wondering if this movie kind of hurt her in a way. <laughs> Well, I don't know if it necessarily hurt because of, you know, subject matter or anything like that. But and I also don't know how well this movie did. I when you recommended it, Mark, Mm. or put it on the list, I had a vague recollection of it being a thing. But uh, I I don't think it made a big impact. So it could have been it just came and went and did Mm. no business. So she's not exactly on the A list (laughs) for for big projects afterwards. Um, Yeah, I. It's a it is a bold movie and it does something that I think is kind of hard to portray and even harder to defend, which is it turns a child molester into the protagonist and it makes no apologies about who this guy is. But one thing I do appreciate is it shows that he's really struggling with this. Um, You know, it's and it's also there's different layers to this compulsion that he has, because I first of all, I was surprised that he was into, you know, girls because usually when you see a movie like this it's like a creepy guy who likes to you know touch little boys um but he had a thing for young girls but he also was sexually attracted to Kira Sedgwick um you know when they first get together you think there's gonna be some kind of a hang-up where he has to push her away because she's just too old for him (laughs) so to speak uh but no they end up having a full-blown adult relationship and then there's other complication and she has to navigate like I have feelings for this guy. I'm also repulsed by what he's done and his urges, but I still see something in it as a human being. So the movie, I think, walks that fine line of not endorsing the Kevin Bacon character of Walter, but also not writing him off as the 
you know, torch waving mob going after the Frankenstein monster. Uh, it's, it doesn't have a lot of easy answers. No, it doesn't. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Andrew, would you agree with that on, on how they handled uh, the Bacon character? They kind of took a complex approach to it? Yeah, I mean, you know, um, people's um, view of those type of guys or whatever, you just, you know, they're just, they're just want to see them dead. You know, <laughs> it's like you all the time you hear in prison, they get murdered, whatever. Somebody just is like, yeah, you know, I cut off three people's heads and put them in the refrigerator, but you're, you're sick, man. You know, yeah. so it's like that people going in and watching a movie, you got a hard thing to do, man, to make that a character anybody is going to care about, mm-hmm. you know, because right off the bat, you're like, if they'll even watch that movie, you know, that's got to be a tough thing to do. So, yeah, no, they had a, their work cut out for him, man. That was not an easy place. You know, that's a, that's a subject that people are on the fence about. It's, it's fucked up, you know. Well, and let's face it, this world that his character is in, I mean, don't get me wrong. I am. I, I know these are real world problems that are still, unfortunately, throughout our society yet today. But this world that this was taking place in seemed to be a little bit extra fucked up. I mean, because you had him, uh, you know, who, who he was. You had uh, Kira Sedgwick's character who eventually talks about how her brothers had uh, uh, assaulted her. He, we have the most, for me, one of the most just, oh, conversation scenes in the park where he's talking to a 12-year-old girl, but at the 11. same, or she 11, was 11. She, she was going to be 12, <laughs> yeah. that's right. Right. Um, this just, it's so awkward, you're just like, ah, um, this is awkward, uh, but he's talking to her, and you find out she has a dad who's kind of a creep. And, you know, what it, what, and then you have the guy who he's been watching outside of the, the playground of, you know, who's been kind of, he's, he's been not kind of, he's a predator himself to the kids showing up at the playground. I'm like, what kind of world is this hmm. taking place in? And honestly, I think if I had one criticism of the film, uh, it would be the fact that, the two female characters that he really relates to both had this same kind of a sexual trauma. I can buy one. Like when Kira Sedgwick revealed that, you know, all three of her brothers had played around with her when she was younger, um, at, but that she loves them, uh, you know, that speaks, you could write a whole book on, on that psychology, I'm sure. That was great. Uh, and when I say great, I mean dramatically satisfying. Mm-hmm. But in the park, when it turns out that the little girl uh, when Kevin Bacon just comes out, because at that point he's spiraling because yeah. he sort of figures he's been trying to keep these urges under control, but everybody's against him. The people at his job have found out. So it, it's kind of like a drug metaphor where he's like, all right, fuck it. I'm just going to go and get high. His getting high is trying to seduce little girls. So at one point he straight up asks this girl that is bird watching with him, would you sit on my lap? Ugh. And she says Ugh. no. And at that point, yeah, I wrote down my notes. What the hell? Uh, but it turns out that she is used to sitting on laps because her dad molests her at home. I think that was, I figure you either have that in there cause that's a tremendous scene and Kevin Bacon, I think he deserved an Oscar for the way that he just played on his face 
you know, the desire uh, coming up against the embarrassment of trying to put the moves on someone who's being sexually molested at home along with the confusion because he's just wasn't prepared for this. It's beautiful. It's a great scene. But I think in combination with the other great scene, which also involves another character being molested, it's like, okay, it was everybody in this town, to your point, Mark, sexually abused as a child because it does take some of the sting out of the drama, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm just, I'm not sure. Andrew, what do you think of the world that they live in? Does it seem a little too much? Or is it just that we're... We ignore that this is happening this prevalent in society. Well, I think they were trying to draw like, you know, lines from one thing to another thing. You know, that's that all served the character of him. But Mm. also, you know, his problem in therapy was all like, you know, he was all relating himself to everything. It was all me, me, me and stuff like that. He didn't never talk about the victims, you know, of the stuff that he did to him. And so it was like, was he ever really going to, as he said, be normal if he couldn't, if, if he didn't focus some on that, you know? And so obviously that's a hard thing to face or whatever, but I, I was so glad that they put that scene in there as, as hard as it is, it is to watch. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you are definitely not on his side. You're like, you're not going, dude, uh, what was his name? Walter? Walter. Yeah. <laughs> you you can do it man don't 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 go backwards don't cave man be cool you're not doing that you're like run kid <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> well it, yeah because that's what's interesting because walter is really trying to he at the beginning of the movie he's just trying to live you know but he he's still ignoring you're right he's in denial about he's not in denial he tries to normalize himself, at least in the like in the first third of this film. He's really trying to normalize himself, not so much in that what I did was wrong, in that, hey, other people have these feelings, too, because you get that early scene on when he's in the bar with his brother-in-law because his sister won't talk to him. And he's sitting there and they're talking and he hears his brother-in-law talking about his daughter and He's talking about it out of love as a father. I mean, you know, when he says she's pretty, when he says that, you know, she's she's just an amazing girl, you know, uh, he's talking from a dad perspective. And you see Kevin Bacon. I, excuse me. <laughs> sorry, Kevin. Walter, the character Kevin Bacon is playing. Kevin Bacon is that you see Walter look up and he almost has this kind of relief in his eye. And at one point he asked, well, do you ever have feelings for your daughter? You know, like he's looking for validation that he's not the only one. He's not the odd man out. He's not the actual creeper. Hey, everybody has these type of feelings. I'm not the only one. And then like in the first, at least third to half of this film, it seems like he's doing that. He's, he doesn't want to be a monster. He's trying to normalize, but at the same time, instead of becoming the guy aware that what he's doing is wrong, it seems like to me that he's trying to find validation for the way he feels so that he can show that he is quote unquote normal because he takes quite offense to that. Am I wrong on that, Ian? Um, I would say that you did leave out sort of a key component of that mm-hmm. conversation, which is. Um, Carlos, who's the brother-in-law played, I think wonderfully by Benjamin Bratt. Yeah. Um, who's on, who's on Walter's side, you know, mm-hmm. he's sort of playing the diplomat between Walter and his sister. Um, 
they're going on in the bar. He's talking about Carla, his daughter, Carla and Carlos. That's not confusing at all. <laughs> um, Carla's friends mm-hmm. and what they're wearing and what they're doing and how they're, I guess they're 12 or something like that, yeah. but they're dressing like provocatively. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about young girls too. So it's not that big of a leap for Kevin Bacon when he looks up, as you mentioned, he does take it a step too far. Yeah. But one of the reasons I think Benjamin Bratt does react in the way that he does, where he's about to beat the shit out of his brother-in-law, is that he gets caught confessing to ogling young girls, not necessarily in the way that he would actually want to do something, but getting caught up in the sexualization of young girls, Mm -hmm. which probably causes embarrassment to him, not only as a man, but also as a dad, because Walter is on the verge of noticing his niece as a sex object and also implying that the dad may also be on the verge of noticing, if not his daughter, but his daughter's friends who has no problem talking about, oh, if you just saw what these girls are wearing nowadays. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of in this whole town hypocrisy that he's kind of growing up in. Yeah, Walter's a problem, but he's not the only one with uh, demons that they need to face. Yeah, well, and it doesn't help either that Carlos, I don't know why, but he comes up and he talks about how when... Yeah, this is a conversation you have with your brother-in-law, right? Oh, hey, <laughs> when your sister is out of town, I'm feeling horny and I want to go and be with women. And it's just mm-hmm. like, and the fact that he had that conversation before he leads into um, talking about what his daughter's friends wear, I think also is what triggered Walter and thinking, oh, hey, you have these feelings too? You know, and yeah. I, I think it's the way they put that conversation together, you know, it has Walter, you know, and again, nobody's saying Walter is in the right. But for me, this film almost makes you feel like we're not saying what this person feels and does is right. But at the same time, here's what's going through their brain. And this is how their brain works it almost feels like it's an exploration in that to saying we aren't forgiving we aren't forgetting we aren't saying oh he's going to be a good guy but try to give you an understanding to possibly think like you said that you're not you're only a couple steps away possibly from being in that same category Uh, Andrew would you say that's maybe what they're doing here is not normalizing it but kind of showing you that they're you know there's a fine line. <laughs> I mean, he's, you know, you got to remember, he's new, he's not doing nothing but like projecting on other people his right. own shit, you know, because mm-hmm. he, again, it's just another way of not looking at what he needs to be looking at. And mm-hmm. so he's like, it, and it goes really well with him observing that man who is, you know, very likely luring boys from school, right, that he mm-hmm. sees outside his apartment. So he's up, you know, he's all out on the lookout now. He's like, oh, well, this will be a way I can be a good guy by making everybody to, you know, a molester or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so that was what I got from that conversation he had with him. But I also think it's good for uh, showing that um, that mentality, you know, like well, how men will be, because you start to look at, well, where does this stuff come from? And what is OK and what is not OK? Mm-hmm. And what do we, you know, I always hate that boys will be boys stuff. That's a topic of conversation, too. It's like, well, okay, it's it's cool to be a creep like this, 
but not cool to be a creep like this. But it's mm. different levels of what I consider to be violent behavior. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's a dark exploration. It's it's putting putting conversations and, and topics that people try to ignore, I think, cuz it makes, you know, it is so dark to talk about and it puts it right in front of you and I could see where this might turn audiences off, but at the same time I found it actually a fascinating exploration <laughs> into some things and, and you're just like, "Wow." I mean, and it's because of Kevin Bacon's performance as Walter. I mean, over the course of this film, then we get Eve, who is um, the link to our movie Triple X, because she was in Triple X. So (laughs) that's our 52 Degrees connection. Nice. Oh, she was great, too, man. (laughs) Eve was in Triple X, and she's in this. So there's our 52 Degree connection. You get her, who she's playing the sister of uh, David Allen Greer's uh, uh, character, Bob, who gives uh, Walter a job. She finds out, thanks to early internet... Um, which I ch- <laughs> which I kind of chuckled at when she was browsing. I'm like, oh man, look at look at that screen, man. Um, but <laughs> she's the one that kind of outs that. Well, not kind of. She's the one that outs him at work because she says, "Oh, hey, people deserve to know." And that whole sequence to where you know, Kira, where Vicky uh, Kira Cedric's character kind of come to terms and is, still has a relationship with Walter. And they're at work just trying to live now. But then Eve, Eve's character, uh, Mary Kay, she prints out the printing and lets the whole his whole workforce that he works with know, hey, he's a child molester, which just things go to shit. Then that's his part of his downward spiral, you know, and and Bob gets upset at her and you're like sitting there going, this poses an interesting subject. You know, here is a guy who's just he's doing his work trying to be unnoticed and they outed him was that actually right you know i think they they pose that question with that scene and i thought it was an interesting topic to explore in a film yeah i mean it's it is an interesting question um i did like that bob when he sees what's going on in the locker room he comes up and says you know anybody's got a problem with this uh, come see me in my office. I'll give you your last paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he, he stands up for the guy, but not, and, and it's clear from the, you know, the first scene where he's taking Kevin Bacon on board and kind of showing him around. He doesn't approve of what he did. He's no. not on his side, but he recognizes him as someone who has done his time, who's a deeply messed up person, but who wants to work. Um, so I think there's, there's something to be lauded for that because he hasn't done anything wrong in the present and what right. he did do in the past he's done his time for that's that's what society is essentially built on mm-hmm. we've collectively decided that if you go and you know <laughs> molest little girls you're going to go away for 12 years and if you don't show evidence that you're going to do it again you get to get out and be among society a society that will barely have you i mean one things we haven't talked about is the fact that all the apartments around town would they refused to rent to him except right. for a place that was right across the street from a freaking grade school um so yeah i think the mob mentality thing uh and them almost being the crap out of him that's very realistic and i understand that anger and especially because i think the main guy had talked about he was a parent and i don't know yeah. if mary Kay was a parent or not she might have been so that's understandable but again 
you can protect your family by making sure you don't have like the bring the kids to work day, especially <laughs> if Walter's on shift. But at the same time, you can't just go enacting mob justice because you don't like what a person is. Right. Yeah. And uh, Andrew, what do you think about this this sequence here where they're exploring this? Uh, uh, first of all, man, David Allen Greer and Eve, I'm a fan of both. I'm yeah. so mm-hmm. happy they're in this movie. I think I read in the trivia that they wanted a white woman to play that role. And somebody was like, no, Eve. Because <laughs> <laughs> what difference does it make? Yeah. You know, and, the, you know, and she's on the younger side, too. So somebody like that age and might go to, you know, think doing like, something like that is OK. But it made me think about like what y'all were talking about, because I kind of forgot about some things. It's been a while. But like, OK, so as a manager, though, <clears throat> should he have been like. You know, everybody coming to my office about to tell you this thing about this guy that's about to come work here. And if you don't like it, you could leave then, like rather than wait until some happy. You know what I mean? Right. He was really trying to protect him and trying to keep him under wraps because he didn't want any, you know, he didn't want any stuff going on either. Mm-hmm. He didn't want a, a problem if there wasn't going to be a problem. Right. That that might have been an ethical problem. I don't know if as a manager, he has the right to divulge people's personal information like that. I mean, I know his you know, sex offender record was, was public knowledge and everything. So people could have done that. But I mean, honestly, there are degrees to which people have done bad things in their life. And I don't know if your boss finds out that you did something that you're not particularly proud of. If it's the boss's place to go tell everybody your business. (laughs) And plus, you know, there was some dudes in there that looked like they probably done something too, but it wasn't like he, very possibly, you know, kind of like what Mark was saying. Like if you've got, a guy who's working for this, you know, wood furniture making company who went to jail because he killed three people. Is David Allen Greer going to call everyone to the office and say, hey, you got a murderer working among you, <laughs> even though even though he was he committed his crimes 40 years ago and has been on the straight and narrow ever since. At what point is it the people's right to know? Because they might be still pissed about it, whereas you know, society has said, you know, we're going to leave that behind us now. Yeah, plus, the murderer could take as many breaks as he wants. What you doing, man? No, Keep it up. You're doing great. You know what? Love the way you're you good. do nothing. It's you're awesome. Good. Don't kill me. Hey, speaking of breaks, I watched this thing on Amazon, and for whatever reason, it's stuck in four, like, two-minute-long commercial breaks. Like, I could watch it for free if I watched advertisements, but that was kind of perfect because it allowed me the opportunity for four showers during this movie. Jesus. <laughs> that's And that's the thing is, uh, the way Kevin Bacon plays the Walter character at no point does he play this guy to where, oh, he's going to redeem himself or something. He, he's a troubled individual. He stays troubled individual. To use a lack of a better term, a coming, it's not a coming of age, but you do have growth in his character, which I appreciated at the end, in that he finally awakens to what he actually is. Because through most of the film, as we've mentioned, he's kind of validating or in denial or trying to normalize what he feels every day by projecting on other people then he spirals out of control and then it is that awkward scene but a wonderfully acted scene by a very young actress the the girl who Mm -hmm. played uh what uh what was her name um robin robin yeah like the bird hannah pilk uh pilkies uh or pilks uh she plays this character so this scene, I mean, it's just these two, and she nails this 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 performance, and it's 
him talking to her, it's he has that breakthrough that his therapist could not get him to do. When she starts talking about her dad, he starts thinking about his dad and him as a kid. And suddenly it's like, yeah, we're like, go home, kid. He tells her to go home. He doesn't actually do the one final thing you're like hoping he doesn't do. He actually does. And he comes into a realization and then it just pisses him off. He's like, oh, shit. And that's why he goes beats the crap out of Candy. He doesn't beat the crap out of Candy to be a hero. He beats the crap out of Candy because Candy is him. Mm-hmm. And what, you know, one of the saddest cappers I think of any scene I've seen in a while is when Robin has conf- not confessed but revealed that she's been molested too, immediately draining any kind of a predatory satisfaction that Walter would get out of the encounter. Mm-hmm. And then she pauses for a second and says, sincerely, do you still want me to sit on your lap? I was like, oh, my God. This poor damaged girl. I honestly thought that he was going to somehow go on a rampage and, and try and find her dad. <laughs> like, wait until he came to pick her up mm-hmm. or something. Um, you know, but I honestly thought that Candy was going to turn out to be a projection. Uh, like a figment of his imagination. Because the way he was writing about him in his book and, mm. uh, you know, all of this other stuff. Uh, to kind of create this hero narrative that he himself couldn't uh, quite manage. Um but, you know, it, it turned out to be a real guy. I think that was kind of the weakest part of it because it mm-hmm. does seem the most movie-ish thing. And it kind of ties back into the woodsman myth of the, you know, the Little Red Riding Hood. You know, he right. ends up being the hero and even most deaf, who I think was great as the cop who offers a completely different perspective on this whole situation. He comes in and talks about the woodsman from Little Red Riding Hood. And then 10 minutes later, he's Kevin Bacon is the woodsman. It's cute, <laughs> but I don't think it's necessary. Well, but the thing is, I still don't think he's doing it as, to be a hero, though. Because, no, I'm not, I'm not saying he, that either. I'm saying the film. Oh, gives the, him the that film hero that moment. gives yeah. gives him that moment. Yeah, that's true. Because you get the one frame where he's beating the snot out of him, and he hits him, and it's him hitting himself. Yeah, which I thought was brilliant. I was like, whoa, that just added so other level to it. You know, N- Nicole Castle throwing that in there. It's just like. Wow, and it, it's brief, but just by doing that, it adds a whole different level to the scene. Yeah, I loved most Def in here, and you know, he him having conflicts of just not shooting Walter on sight, but being in charge of keeping an eye on him. Uh, Andrew, what'd you think of most Def's character in this? I love him. Before I talk about him in this movie, yeah, you all like a Hitchhiker's Guide. His character in Hitchhiker's Guide. Oh, yeah. 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 No, I'm a fan, man, of uh, Black Star and uh, all of that. Um, Yeah, man, he uh, he is, you know, he's one of the people that shows the people's reaction to folks like that. You know, Mm -hmm. he calls them piece of shit, all that stuff, right? Or whatever he says to him. He doesn't like them, makes it real clear. And always coming by, talking about I'm watching you and stuff like that. And so, but it's interesting because... You know, once that, once he's about to commit an act of violence against that girl, which is what I feel the predatory behavior is a form of, mm-hmm. and then you know he has his break, and then he goes and commits an act of violence on that man, mm-hmm. you know, and then but it's cool with the it's cool with the cop like right he doesn't do anything to him for assaulting somebody, you know it's like oh okay because you assaulted this guy that's doing this thing that's also assault. 
then it like cancels out the crime or whatever you know he's mm. like oh you whipped his ass that's cool to me it just shows it's like you know he goes from one almost violent act to another violent act you know like in mm-hmm. two different things and i felt like i don't think the people watching it are going to really make the connection between them two incidents i was like oh you know i'm going to do this to this girl but now i feel bad so i'm not going to do this to this girl so i'm going to do this to this guy you know but it's mm-hmm. still vi- to me it's still violence you know but one is like uh you know seen as one way by the cop and, yeah. and the others you know it's just different or whatever so i like that they put them two together so close i don't know if people got it or not but um and that's that's the thing about movies like this you bring your own shit into it also <laughs> yeah it, it it definitely is one of those films that when you make a film like this let's face it you've got to be very aware that this is not going to be your blockbuster. <laughs> this is not <laughs> going to be a film that everybody's going to. But it's a story that, you know, mad props for them to put in the film because it was, a you know, from the play because it addresses subjects, you know, putting them up front in your face. I mean, most Def's character, I think, though, him not convicting uh, Walter... I think, you know, it was like for him and one piece of shit just beat up another piece of shit. Okay. So at least Mm -hmm. one of the piece of shits got beat up. He wasn't, he wasn't at all. He still sees Kevin Walter as a piece of shit. It's not like he, he, he has any redeeming thing to him. He's just like, yeah. Okay. You piece of shit. You beat up the other guy. Good job on you. You're still a piece of shit. Yeah. Now he didn't ask to see his hands, you know? No, he didn't. (laughs) Well, that's that's what there. That I think that presents two problems. I mean, I, I think, yeah. The, the more I think about it, the climax of this movie just doesn't quite sit well with me. Mm-hmm. Um, first, the 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 kind of a cutesy woodsman tie-in and all that. But uh, I mean, let's look at this. Most Def's character has been uh, apparently watching Walter like a hawk. Mm-hmm. He knows when he what bus route he takes. He knows when he leaves his apartment. So. If Walter is watching this creepy guy passing out candy and engaging with young boys outside the school that is directly across from his apartment, why isn't this cop investigating him for suspicious mm-hmm. behavior? Secondly, when it most deaf goes to Walter's apartment after the beating and questions him about it, but not too hard because we establish that the guy was wanted or he was convicted in Virginia or something right, of yeah. you know touching mm-hmm. little boys. Well, that sort of puts us back into this weird prejudice vigilante justice spiral mm-hmm. because the guy who got beaten up, the you know Virginia convict, all we see is from Walter's perspective. Now, undoubtedly, he was doing creepy things, but as far as the detective knows, if he hasn't been watching this guy, then Walter just beat up some guy who happened to have child molesting on his record. That gives him satisfaction. But in terms of the actual application of the law, you know, this guy could have just been Walter and Walter getting beaten up by one of his coworkers in the street when he hadn't actually done anything. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I think I know. I know what you're saying. Yeah, it's it. it is one of those things. And I don't know if maybe they were trying to end the film on an up note yeah i think they definitely um, were and that's that's why because most deaf giving him giving uh walter that knowing look of like yeah i'm gonna let you go because you beat up that other child molester 
my point is, yes, he was a child molester, but it is unclear from the cop's perspective if there's any evidence to suggest that he actually had done anything to deserve getting beaten up randomly on the street. He could have just been another ex-con trying to get his life together. Someone found out he had a record and then beat the crap out of him. Yeah, but maybe that's also addressing another issue then to where you've got where he mentions, you know, we've mentioned about child monsters getting killed by murderers in prison and people looking the other way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so no, there's, it, you know, exactly, that could yeah. be another topic being addressed here with that. Um, so, yeah, there's there's so many layers, which is interesting because, and, and Andrea, I'd love to get your thought with the uh, uh, editing of this. Could you see them doing this to where you had the bench scene and then just cutting to Bacon going to his therapist and having his wait without the brutal punching scene in the middle, you know, the heroic, whatever I, you know, man, that whole part, I feel like on stage as a play would have really packed some wallop, you know, mm-hmm. like it would have really, you know, you got to think about like, you know, with plays, you don't get all this kind of visual stuff, right. You know, you don't get the editing and all that stuff. And so it's just a raw ass story. <laughs> and so, you know the the um if you want to talk like vigilante or whatever you know it's eye for eye right and so but the audience is looking for some type of thing you know some some type of resolution like they you know i don't think they want to see walter get his ass whipped but i don't know if they'd feel totally bad for him if he did <laughs> you know i'm just saying that's yeah. the way people are no you're are. right yeah i'm not you know but somebody somebody had to get there <laughs> <laughs> somebody so but but that's the way the you know in a in a third act you know the things gotta go they gotta escalate like that you know mm-hmm. so now nah, if he would have went back to his therapist and say like you know i i <laughs> oh god what does he say I, f- I feel pretty good i i beat the shit out of a child molester i feel pretty yeah. good about myself what movie is that from yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. so it seemed like a movie quote like a quote for another movie where oh. a guy's saying i, I whipped the sh- I wh- beat the shit out of a disturbed serial rapist i feel pretty good about myself <laughs> uh but he um yeah no I, I feel like for whatever reason and hey i'm perfectly okay with saying like this is a director's first movie this is you know them trying their best to kind of deal with this type of material and it's going to be some things especially in 2004 where they're like you may say man i we could have cut that better or we could have cut that out Mm -hmm. you know i mean it would be interesting to talk to her about how she thinks this movie has aged Mm -hmm. you know as but part of the reason why i haven't watched it is because i just there's a lot of stuff i haven't revisited since i've been a parent (laughs) you know (laughs) And this this type of thing, won't. but I want to talk about it because, honestly, other than the air up there, I think it's the most black people uh, in a Kevin Bacon movie, probably. It has a diverse. It does have a diverse cast, yeah, for a Kev, yeah. for a Kevin Bacon for a film, in general. But yeah, it does have a, a diverse cast. Um, yeah, so the trilogy goes: Footloose, <laughs> Hollow Man, and then. Uh, the Woodsman. The Woodsman. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Kevin Bacon's diverse casts. Uh, <laughs> Ian, Ian, what about you? Would you? How would you feel uh, watching it and just have him maybe go from the bench to where he has his therapist and he supposedly has his breakthrough versus having the scene in the middle? 
Well, I mean, I, I, I'm with Andrew. I understand the need for a climax, you know, mm-hmm. something in the third act that is sort of action and, and kinetic, kinetically driven. I'm just not that happy at the way that they arrived at it. Yeah. Um, but partially it's because once you realize that Candy is not a figment of Kevin Bacon's imagination, that seed is planted. So you just know that that moment of a confrontation is inevitable. Right. So you're just kind of waiting for it. Whereas so much else in the movie is unexpected. The angles and the, the approach that they take with the characters, you think it's going to go one way. It's not like I fully expected during that locker room scene that there was going to be a full on beat down and they were going to try and like <laughs> Freddy Krueger his ass or something like that. <laughs> um, Wouldn't Kevin Bacon have been a good Freddy man? Oh, he would have. Uh, yeah, actually, that reminds me of... Uh, there was something in the water around, you know, the early part of the <laughs> 2000s because we already talked about happiness. Uh, we talked about sleepers. Um, little children. Oh, was yeah. Another, right? With Jackie Earl Haley, who was also, uh, I think he was yeah. the neighborhood creeper. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Kevin Bacon over Jackie Earl Haley, who I love as an actor, but I hate it as Freddy Krueger. Um, but yeah. <laughs> I, to I, the just... Velveteen Rabbit played Freddy Krueger or not. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, it's, I'm just not happy with the way that they got to that climax, but mm-hmm. I do agree that there needed to be something there and what we got was okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's still a molest, molester got beat up. So there you go. Right. It's okay. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, get, I the mean, the audience gets their blood, right? Right. That, and that's, that's what I mean is the audience, the audience gets some kind of relief. Otherwise you get Blair Witch. Yeah, I said it. Um, <laughs> if he, but, but I mean, that's to your point, Mark, I, the audience, I don't necessarily think deserves release mm-hmm. or relief in this case, because this is not a movie this is not that movie. It's not right. the, the mainstream kind of like, hey, we're going to come in and, and show you this guy who went to jail for molesting people, and then we're going to give him what for. This is humanizing someone, Not again, not condoning what they did, but not allowing the audience to see Kevin Bacon as most deaf sees Kevin Bacon, as a right. disposable category of person rather than a unique individual with some severe problems that need you know treatment. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Audience may not. I mean, and Andrew, maybe it, from what you were saying, it's her first. You know, it was her first feature film, so maybe they they it's felt a hard movie to make. Yeah, you know? this is gonna yeah. be a hard movie to make in general. I mean, that's why I I have mad respect for her to even tackling this subject, putting to film and putting it out there because it's yeah. like people. I would like to watch that play, man. See how that went. I thought the same thing. I mm-hmm. and you know Michael Shannon, the, the therapist. He's you know he's a big Chicago uh, theater guy. I wondered. I should do some research on it. I, I kind of wondered if he was involved in that play somehow, or if he would do a version of it. Um, one thing. Quick question about the editing. Mm. In the opening of this film, the opening credits, was there a lot of that kind of freeze framing going on? Uh, I don't remember. Yes. I, it was yeah, TV. Because, it was TV movie freeze framing, which threw me off. I'm like, yeah, because I thought I kept wondering <laughs> if my screen was just buffering because the audio kept playing, but the visuals were just freezing. Like this is really annoying. Well, well the first time Hustle it, and Flow does that too, which yeah. I really like though. Mm. Oh, Hustle and Flow is a good movie. For sure. Oh yeah, uh, just that that opening with the and car, opening, you know, the yeah. yellow letters. It just it was a, a throwback in the right way, you know. 
yeah, it, it threw me that because the first time I saw him, like the freeze frame, I'm like, did that free? I was the same as you. And then again, and I'm like, oh, okay. And I'm like, well, that feels a little TV, <laughs> you know, TV movie ish. So, you know, um, yeah, I, the film covers a lot of subjects and a lot of dark subjects and, you know, not just with the Walter character, with, with Keir Sedgwick's character, even with, you know, as we mentioned before, the, the Bob and Mary Kay characters, uh, you know, David Allen Greer's and Eve's characters, were they in the right? It seems like the whole time it's asking the audience, do you think these people are in the right with the behavior that, you know, the way they react to Walter? Or, it, or like, um, which one would you be if this happened mm, like around you? Mm. Yeah, I give you different characters and which one do you would you relate to the most or connect to? The most. I know a number of people who would have been Eve's character, May Kay, you know, Mary Kay, not care. I mean, that, <laughs> let's face it, that's the internet today. Eve's character, Mary Kay, <laughs> is the internet today in that she outed something that he did in his, it, this is more recent past, but still, you know, well, he was in jail for 12 years, but still, you know, I mean, that's what was funny is watching this, I'm like, this is got a theme in it that's just a little bit relevant not so much the whole the actual creeper angle but the idea that someone who did something in their past minor or major it carries with them through their entire life Mm. and people do they still should they still get held not so much the walter character but the other characters that we have in here should they be held accountable for (laughs) you know what i mean i mean you kind of get that in here i think in addressing that because we've got that today where somebody tweeted something 15 years ago which was a completely different time than it is today and they're held to that and suddenly they can no longer get work in hollywood uh (laughs) yeah no it's it's an interesting parallel um i mean whereas instead of having a picture taped up in lockers walter it would be you know people uh, spamming his, uh, his <laughs> spamming image. his website or, or, yeah. or something or you know, uh, ratioing him on Twitter. I don't know. Which don't get me wrong. I, I am not saying at all, Walter, what he did should be, you know, forgotten or whatnot. But at the same time, if he he's he's not doing that anymore, and he's just trying to live at this point in the film, he's just dealing with his shit yet still, and he's just trying to live. Just shove him in the corner and let it, you know, if he's not, you know, it adds that question of how long should that, well, now he, his horrific things, but I mean, does he not deserve at least to live, even if it's under watch, under parole, under all kinds of scrutiny. So he doesn't do that again. Is that still not enough to allow him to live? Well, I mean, the also the problem is, and I think this is also relevant today, unfortunately, is the sort of morality policing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Eve, it could be argued, her uh, Mary Kay would not have done any of this if Walter had not sort of rejected her offer of a chicken salad sandwich <laughs> on the first day in the lunchroom where he's just he's very you know skittish around people probably because of prison also scared that people are going to find out about him so he's trying to keep a distance but 
he pushes it a little bit too far in his first encounter with her. But then a couple of days later, Mary Kay sees Walter and Vicky hanging out. So she probably assumes, you know, everything from, you know, racism to he just doesn't like me or whatever. Uh, and then she finds out something about him. And so this whole like, well, people have a right to know, are you really on this kind of a moral crusade or are you just being spiteful? And this is the most effective way that you know to lash out. Yeah, I, I mean, that, that's interesting. Andrew, what do you think with the Mary Kay character? You think maybe part of the motivation was her lashing out? Probably thought he was probably thought he was racist. I would have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and well, I mean, yeah, and the way he plays it, too, you look at it initially. If you didn't know his character was, uh, you know, 12 years in prison for child molester, just seeing those two react without knowing his past, yeah, he comes off as racist. Right, because if Eve sat down next to me, man, I would be a whole different reaction. <laughs> <laughs> I think, think you, you would be both. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I, I would be having that chicken salad, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the, the film addresses a lot of interesting things, and, and I think we'll we'll wrap it up tonight. And um, it's bold. It's a bold film to put out a, a, a subject matter like this that stays, you know, doesn't apologize for what it is. It's not apologizing for Walter, but at the same time, it feels like it's trying to just give you an understanding of why the person is the way he is because i mean you get that scene later on with kevin where he talks about he was six and he was smelling his sister's hair he didn't do anything else at that time he just smelled his sister's hair at six years old and and, you know they do that scene in there and i realize that they're doing that to kind of you know address hey this isn't someone who just suddenly decides necessarily one day I'm going to do, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to be a child molester. You know, it, it's something psychological. And so I felt, and I guess my final thought on it is, uh, it's trying to give you an understanding while at the same time not saying you have to forgive the person or you can't hate them, but at the same time just showing you, look, this is what makes them tick. This is how they think. And make you maybe reflect on your own thoughts at times, you know, like with the Carlos character who got, you know, very defensive. It make you make you maybe think about how you approach different things, not necessarily, you know, young kids, but just in general. Um, and and I think it, it does that well. And that's it, its motivation and its point is not that it's normalizing or heroic, you know, or. Or putting this in a light like, oh, look, he could be a good guy and beat someone up. But at the same time, it's not saying this person is struggling. These people do struggle. Here is their struggle. Just so you understand that. I mean, uh, your, your final thought with this movie, Andrew, would you say that it's kind of taking that approach? Yeah, man. I mean, movies are nothing but, you know, putting your putting somebody in the, the shoes of somebody else, right? Mm-hmm. And that's like, that's what you do. So you're not, it's not placing you in a position of judgment. It's going like, what if this was you? What if this was somebody you know? Mm-hmm. What if this was somebody at your job? You know, what if this was somebody in your family? You know, it's like, it really gives you a lot to think about what would you do if it was really happening. But to me, that it does what cinema is supposed to do, which is just, you know, give you that look into a, a experience of somebody else, right? And, it, you know, a lot of times it's, you know, very, very different from our own experience. But in a case like this, 
very realistic. So mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, you may not want to watch it, but you got to admit you're curious about what happens, you know, natural. Yeah. And Ian, what's your final thought with this? You think they're that's what they're going for? Oh, yeah. I think I think uh, Andrew said it beautifully there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really don't have much else to <laughs> contribute that we haven't already sure. uh, oh, talked yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah, and so uh, the Woodsman folks, there you have it. Uh, another Kevin Bacon film, another beautiful, fantastic performance by Mr. Kevin Bacon. Uh, you don't see Kevin, you see Walter. <laughs> you mm. see, you, you see the creepy guy. I mean, you just the way he plays him, he totally, you can tell, committed himself to this character. And this had to be a challenging role to play someone like this. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do 52 Degrees KB is is to at least every month explore these movies that Kevin Bacon does and to show he does different roles. It always seems like he's trying to test himself with something. So who cares if he was in this, you know, cult film of Footloose or even in one of the bigger budgeted films? He's doing indie stuff like this, mm. you know, I mean, he, he, he's doing stuff that. You can tell he he wants to take roles either to, um, t- you know, challenge himself or tell potent stories. And I think this is one of them. This was one of my favorite performances of his. I mean, it's creepy. It's a creepy guy. Don't give. <laughs> it's not the character, but it is his performance as the character. It's like wow, you know, it's just it, it's just crazy. Um, and crazy good. So there you have it, folks. The Woodsman, not comfortable subject matter. But if you are a Kevin Bacon fan and want to look at a great performance by this gentleman, The Woodsman is one of those. And even the supporting cast all do well in here. From Kira Cedric to David Allen Greer to Eve, everybody gets a moment in here at least uh, in front of the camera and gets gets their scene. And uh, yeah, some great performances by everyone. You knew they were all taking the subject seriously. At no point is this played lightly, um, which is good too. Because I was kind of worried <laughs> about that. You know you know what I mean? I mean, these films, like they start out like with this dark subject matter, but oh, we'll throw in a couple, you know, bits or whatever. No, it's like, no. Uh, it's 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 straight drama all the way it it is it is straight drama all the way so uh thank you so much everyone for listening uh i have uh thank you to my wonderful crew members uh who i mad respect for and their opinions and now i have mad respect for the work they do so this is their license to shill uh so ian why don't you go first your license to shill sir um, well, I'm Ian Simmons. You can find me at kickseat.com. That's the home of kicking the seat. Uh, I also have a, a YouTube channel, which is YouTube, uh, I guess, kicking the seat on YouTube. Um, so yeah, find me there. I do podcasts, uh, three times a week and I also put up interviews and things like that. So love to have you come and check stuff out. Awesome. Thank you. And Andrew, uh, your turn license to shill, sir, please. Hey man, thanks for thanks for letting me come on here and try to seem like I know something. I appreciate it. It's <laughs> you, not a feeling I'm used to, man. So, you know, rock and roll. I I always have a great time on your show, man. Um, let me see what do we got. Uh, right now, uh, my latest movie, Ariella Jones and the Home Video Vixens, is out on DVD through Gonzarific.com. My friends and I make movies here in Athens, Georgia. It's our twenty seventh or twenty eighth physical release. Um, yeah, there you go, man. Oh, you got the Blu-ray. Yeah, I got the last one. <laughs> yeah, you did get the last one. Yeah, it didn't make very many of them. Um, 
right now we're just you know just really close to announcing our um, yearly film festival which is all the movies that we made during the year um, and since obviously it's been a year where make, movie, making movies has been difficult and uh, getting together in a theater and watching them is also going to be difficult we are going to be doing a live uh, YouTube premiere of the show this year oh nice so, um, everybody that couldn't come to Athens these past 10 or 11 years to see our show is gonna um you know it's gonna get to see it's been fucking more than 10 we, our first one was in 2008 <laughs> wow 12 so we've been doing the we've been doing it every year since 08 wow. in that theater um so yeah we're gonna do a, a, a youtube uh live premiere of it so it's gonna start at the time the festival usually starts and um i'm gonna try and recreate the theatrical experience as much as possible um you'll see if you watch it um about that but it's gonna be uh, as good as we could make it for you, there's gonna be some movies we shot before the pandemic, some that we shot during. It's gonna, <laughs> and some things that I'm going to shoot this weekend are gonna be. In it, so. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, just if you want to keep up with that on Instagram, Twitter, uh, it's just Gonzorific, G-O-N-Z-O-R-I-F-F-I-C, and you could go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's uh, and you'll just get an alert when the, when it comes out. But I'm gonna be making an announcement real soon. Awesome. So, folks, keep your eyes and ears peeled for that. Visit both of these gentlemen's sites and uh, support them. They do great stuff, and it is an honor to have them and all of my crew members in the spoiler room. They keep coming back and wanting to listen to me ramble about these films for some odd reason. So <laughs> I am forever grateful for that and forever grateful for all our listeners out there who, if you haven't listened to our epic 300th episode, it's in three parts for a reason, but you should check it out. Um Got a lot of people who have said they've really enjoyed that discussion. We may do some more live episode recordings in the future, uh, but not sure on that yet. And uh, just a quick plug, folks, go to the specialmarkproductions.com website. There's a link right there for our Canon Fodder survey. Yes, you can pick 12 of the Canon films that we will cover for our Canon Fodder special series next year. The top 12 uh, votes. Uh, films with the most votes will be the films that we cover. So head on over there, put in your uh, results, and uh, yeah, we'll, uh, the polls will be open till the beginning of December, and then I got to see which films are there and where I can get them. So, <laughs> you seen Electric Boogaloo, man? Uh, I have it on my shelf from the Dollar Tree. I haven't watched it yet. I'm man, that's a great it, movie, man. And, it's the people that made. Um, they did this one called Not Quite Hollywood. And mm -hmm. it's about like Australian exploitation. They are so good. I think I've got like, that one great. too. I think you've got that one too. Um, but no, I'm going to plan on watching Electric Boogaloo. My wife also got me the Canon book, uh, 1980, whatever it is, the, 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 the thick compendium, like 40 Canon films it covers. Oh man, I don't 80s. have that. I would love that, man. Yeah, it's a hard now, the only thing about The only thing about Electric Boogaloo, it makes some of the movies look a lot better than they really are. <laughs> <laughs> I guess just the good parts. <laughs> well, we'll probably be covering at least a few of the films featured in that uh, next year, depending on our voting. Uh, right now, for sure, Kickboxer is going to be one of them. Uh, that's Yeah, Kickboxer is at the top of the list, along with uh, Highlander. I think both uh, Missing in Actions are actually up there. Uh, too so uh, yeah it's going to be an interesting year next year but uh, thank you again gentlemen thank you my listeners and now I think we'll just say a good night everyone good night good night everyone <laughs>
Hey, all my friends out there looking for more spoiler room goodness, then why don't you check out our brand new Patreon page, patreon.com slash specialmarkproductions, where you can get access to exclusive spoiler room episodes and a whole lot more. You can also find us on Facebook groups at SMPRD and on the Twitter at SpecialMarkPro. Let your voice be heard and let us know what you would like to see in the spoiler room, as well as just how we're doing in general. We appreciate your support, and remember in the spoiler room, the conversation is fresh, but we do spoil the movies.